I think I was really clicky with the intro. <laughs> okay, John and Todd's Monday Night Therapy Session. We need a lot of therapy this week. But uh, before we get into anything else, I have a surprise for Todd. He doesn't know this coming is uh, coming. It is a mystery question. Are you ready for your mystery question? I'm always ready for a mystery question. Once again, Todd doesn't know this coming, just like he didn't know I was going to hit him in the head with a 45 record in college and slice his head open and he bled like a stuck pig for hours. <laughs> Here is your mystery question, sir. Is Trev <laughs> Alberts a traitor? Because you mentioned that I missed last week on the show that somebody had called us traitors. And now that Trev Alberts has fired Scott Frost, does that make Trev Alberts a traitor? Uh, no. Trev Alberts acted in the best interest of the Nebraska football program, the Nebraska Athletic Department, the University of Nebraska, the state of Nebraska, and Nebraska fans everywhere. That that yeah, that's a that's a really it's like you've been a person in charge of saying things to people before. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he looked pretty good in front of the camera. Of course, you know, Trev's always looked good. I mean, he's a handsome man, looks good in a suit. Um, and he, he speaks very well. So that press conference, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, yeah, he handled himself quite well. So I've, I've got a surprise for you. What? I do. Fact. This is a fact. Not rumor, not okay, innuendo. Okay. Fact. Urban Meyer is going to be in Lincoln on Saturday. <laughs> Why is Urban Meyer going to be in Lincoln on Saturday? Well, he's, he's part of that he Fox is Big Noon thing or whatever. Oh, my God. I, we had an outline. You're already going. I, you're going off the rails. Well... You know, your mystery question took me off the rails. I mean, okay. I want everyone to know that Urban Meyer is going to be in Lincoln on Saturday with that Fox Big Noon game thing or whatever they call it. So all of those people that are drinking the Urban Meyer Kool-Aid, they can go and approach Mr. Meyer and try to convince him that Nebraska is the place that he wants to be. I won't be one of them, but people could do that if they'd like to. I don't think they can approach Mr. Meyer. Well, could be. <laughs> so, well, hey, let's start. We, we did have kind of an outline. We, we got a lot of things that we have to get to here tonight. And I know that, you know, our listeners are expecting us to uh, cover a few topics. But I think, first of all, we need to just talk a little bit about the Georgia Southern game. Um, you know, and, and I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it, but I think uh, that kind of set the plate for everything that's happened since. So, John, uh, what's what was what's your takeaway from the, the Georgia Southern game? Did you see that happening? Did you see? Yes, did I did. I tweeted during it. I was uh, I was shocked and amazed. No, I wasn't. What the hell? Why would anybody be shocked and amazed at this? Um, you know, I mean, what was it? Uh, Nebraska first time went over 35 points and lost. Now they're 214 and one. So, you know, they destroyed that. You know what I took away from the Georgia Southern game, Todd? 
that there was a coach who was such a good coach, he went into a program that ran the triple option as a scheme, and in a few mere months, not five years, he changed their scheme, changed them into a passing up-tempo offense, and beat a Big Ten on school on the road and took away $1.4 million. That's what I took away from the Georgia to Southern game. Yeah, um, you know, that team walked into the stadium like a lot of the, you know, mid-majors and, and FCS teams and, you know, those decided underdogs. And they came into Memorial Stadium and they played as if they had nothing to lose. And that team was every bit as confident as the Nebraska team was, probably more so. And uh, as, as the game went on, you could see that they were definitely in control of the game. I'm not going to sit here and say they dominated the game because Nebraska's offense played well at times, but um, they, they certainly were in control of the game. And uh, I cannot pronounce that quarterback's last name, but uh, that guy will be, that guy should be a front runner for the Heisman Trophy after his first two games. I mean, he was spot on and uh, he played very, very well. Um, i tell you, it, I was in the stadium and it was a, kind of a surreal experience because uh, after, you know, Nebraska got off to a ridiculous start with, you know, a penalty on the kickoff and a sack in the first series. And, and you know, it was just a miserable, you know, three and out. Thankfully, uh, Bushini, you know, had a nice punt. But um, then, you know, Georgia Southern just flies down the field. And the silence in that stadium was incredible. Um, wow. It, it is amazing that 86,000 people could be as quiet as, as they were. And, you know, was it shock? Was it disgust? Was it, you know, what, what was it? And then the other thing uh, that happened is at the end of the game, you know, why Scott Frost punted on fourth and one? Who knows? I mean, you were sitting there. The defense hadn't stopped that team the whole game, and then they go ahead and punt the ball. I think Frost said in his press uh, press conference afterwards that, well, the defense was going to have to hold them at some point, you know. Um, I just I, – I <laughs> but, you know, um, when Georgia Southern scored their last touchdown, again, absolute silence. And wow, it, it was just – it's like – it's like 86,000 people plus just witnessed the death of the Scott Frost era. I mean, it was, it, was, it was surreal. There was never a point in that game, and I'm tired of going to Nebraska football games where you, know, you, you, can't, enjoy, um, you can't enjoy the game. Even when you're winning, you can't enjoy the game because you're forever you know, thinking about what's going to go wrong. And there was – that sense of being, uh, you know, that unease throughout the entire game was not an enjoyable game to be at at all. Did everybody leave in silence? It pretty much did. Everybody stuck around. There were very few people, at least from what I could see, uh, very few people that left the game early. And, um, you know, it, it, people were, I think there was a lot of hope. You know, it was like, you know, I don't think that the fans quit supporting the team. Uh, there was some booing at halftime in the student section. Apparently, I couldn't – I don't sit where I can hear the student section, but apparently they were chanting Fire Frost at halftime and at the end of the game. Um, I don't know that that was necessary. But, uh, 
Um, yeah. Hey, that certain section has power, apparently. 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 Yeah. That's why they stick them in the corner where they're a non-factor in the game. <laughs> okay, Georgia Southern's a loss. My last tweet at that at the end of that game, I tweeted, that's a loss in the end of the Scott Frost era. I just didn't realize it was happening as fast as it did. Uh, it just, uh, it, yeah, it was. you can't go on after that. And Trev Alberts had his press conference. He fired Scott Frost uh, Sunday morning after the terrible loss to Georgia Southern. And then he had a 3 p.m. press conference. And he, as you was a guy who's spoken to many people and had many pressers of your own, uh, how did Trev look? Well, Trev always looks good. I mean, you know, Trev's a, Trev's a damn good-looking man, and he looks good in a suit, and he had that Nebraska red tie, and, and he speaks very well. I'm sure that he probably stood in front of the mirror quite a few different times, you know, starting last year, you know, rehearsing what he was going to say when the inevitable happened. I thought he handled it very well. I thought he was very professional. And, uh, you know, I think it is important that we recognize that, you know, Scott Frost didn't, you know, he didn't want it to end like this. He didn't, he didn't want to lose all the games that he lost. I think Scott Frost came to Nebraska with the intention of turning around the program. And I think he loves Nebraska and Nebraska football. And, and it, it simply didn't work out. He was not the right man for the job. Um, you know, I, I, I think we could have saved a lot of that. Um, that uh, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, we could have saved a lot of that if they would have let him go at the end of last year. Uh, but that's that's beside the point, um, you know. Th and there's a lot of takeaways from uh, that I took away from that press conference. I think two things that stand out to me, and John, I, I want you to share what you thought too. But you know, he made he he emphasized that Mickey Joseph is the head coach. You know, he wouldn't he didn't use the word interim. He emphasized that he's the head coach, and in fact, he even said, you know, I think one of the questions was, will there be any other coaches relieved of their duties? And he said, no, there won't be. And then he said, but Mickey Joseph is the head coach. And if he decides to make changes in the coaching staff, then we'll support that. So, I mean, there's a little curiosity there, um, you know, because apparently tomorrow we're going to learn what changes Mickey Joseph does intend to make with the team. He can't make wholesale changes. Um, somebody well, still has to be the defensive coordinator. Somebody does. Now, Ed Ogeron, he's available. And Mickey Joseph and Ed Ogeron, I mean, they're they're buds. You know, let's see the big K. Jones come up here and coach the D. You know, I mean, that would be pretty cool. But um, you know, so that, hurt, that hurt me. That hurt me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the other thing that stands out to me, and and you know, Trev kind of talked about the, you know, what he was looking for in a coach, and um, in, a, in a head coach. And the first thing he said was character. And um, that, that makes me really feel good because it eliminates some people I absolutely do not want to see be the head coach. Like who? Well, I'll get to that. We'll save that. <laughs> okay. Well, give me your impressions. Okay. Of the press. You, know, you watched the press conference. What did you think? I did watch the press conference. I think the one thing he said that I took away was uh, this program is bigger than any one person. And he didn't mention Tom Osborne when he said that, but he uh, said it to uh, 
we start these shows too early. There's a lot of interruptions going in and out here. Um, anyway, anyway, uh, but he said, you know, the program's bigger than any one person. And I think uh, that was a good point. And then I also picked up on the thing too about character. And, uh, you know, the other thing that I struck me as odd is one of the media guys asked him, I didn't see them tweet this, but one of the media guys asked him, uh, what is your legacy going to be here at Nebraska and, uh, and, and during your tenure? And he said very, very professionally, like he was handling a heckler, uh, you guys are going to write my legacy. Yeah. And he, you yeah. know what? He's, he's pretty much right about that. He's absolutely but, right. Yeah. 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 What are you drinking? I, I am, you know, uh, I'm a man of the people. I am drinking PBR Cowboys. Paps Blue Jeez. Ribbon. Yeah. Yeah, it has to. That has to be the worst beer. You know what that beer tastes like, Todd? I'm sure you're going to tell me. It tastes like the bitterness of all those union guys that got laid off in the '70s <laughs> when the Japanese took over the car market. That's what it tastes like. They, they, there's literally you taste that beer. I don't drink anymore. But tasting Pabst Blue Ribbon, it's just like, oh, thank God, there's something more bitter in the world than I am, <sighs> and terrible. Okay. Anyway, what was our next topic? Well, you, oh, okay, God. So, you know, you you mentioned earlier you were su you were surprised that it happened. I mean, you were surprised that, with the timing, with the timing. Bam, yeah. So it was like, uh, don't screw around. And and okay. how do you? Was it the right move? Was it right to do it right now? Yes, and he made that point in the press conference too. And I want people to get this. I know there's a lot of complaints and a lot of people saying, well, he could have waited like three weeks and saved $7.5 million. Uh, clearly somebody out there said, uh, here's $16 million, make this son of a bitch go away right now. You know what I mean? And it, there's a few things about that. And I want you to really get this. You have over a hundred young men that are playing for a guy who should no longer be coach. I think everybody knew that after Saturday night, you know, that they, that this was done. You know when things are done. You know when they're over. Even though they might linger for a while, you know when they're over. And Saturday night, it was this was done. There was not going to be any, who's going to rally to Oklahoma unless you stuck your head in a dark place. But there's over 100 young men that we're going to have to pretend to play for three weeks to save $7.5 million. There are assistant coaches that were going to live in hell for three weeks of dealing with this, assistant staff, the athletic department, coaches, trainers, nutritionists, psychologists. You know, it, it was the right move because he basically said it was about the team and putting the team first, you know, and about taking care of those kids or those young men. And I think that is the right decision. It wasn't about a lousy $7.5 million that isn't going to matter in the long run. The second thing he did was he showed the nation – that you need to be accountable and that competency counts for something at the University of Nebraska. The third thing he did was realize that he didn't want the University of Nebraska to go out Saturday morning with big Fox News whatever in town and, and complete a complete shit show embarrassment. You put Mickey Joseph in charge, maybe you've got a chance that the team trusts each other and the team's morale is boosted and they at least have a decent game. If nothing else, they're not going to talk about the doom of the Scott Frost era. They're going to talk about a future that might have some hope in it. 
I guess that's what I took away from all that. Well, I think, you know, I, I think you make a good point there. And, and again, I was surprised. I figured it would happen after the Oklahoma game, you know, and, and we had a, one of our uh, writers on coronation had written, you know, in Slack and um, I, I have a lot of respect for him. And he made the comment that, um, you know, the people that want frost fired now, and this was before frost was fired, but you know, the people that want frost fired now, they want to punish Scott Frost. And, you know, I guess I'd never kind of looked at it that way. Um, but, you know, it, it makes everybody feel better. You know, when, when things are going bad, you know, just fire somebody now. And, you know, I don't, um, I don't know about that. But I, I guess it, it did surprise me. I thought it would happen after the Oklahoma game. And then, you know, the conspiracy theorists would say, well, we, they, you know, Trev couldn't take the chance that the team would rally and beat Oklahoma with Scott Frost as the head coach. That would make it all that more difficult. Well, you know, I, I don't buy into that. Personally, my own conspiracy theory is this. It was important to fire Scott Frost now because he knew that Urban Meyer was going to be in town and he could save all of those expenses chasing him all around the country and he could interview him while he was already in town and, and you know, kind of recoup on that $7.5 Start making it back. There you go. There you go. Are they going to have a big bake sale for the Oklahoma game? A real big bake sale. I a mean, there's going to be brownies from <laughs> Memorial Stadium to – Haymarket Park lined up. I thought you. I thought you were going to say there's going to be brownies from Colorado because I keep seeing all these, all these notices of the state patrol picking off people with like 400 pounds of pot in their trunk or something. <laughs> hey, you know, before we move on, I just need to say, just Rob has reminded me. Rob Johnson reminded me, um, Scott, that that Trev Alberts is a handsome man, and I, I don't want you know to leave the show. Uh, tonight without saying how good looking uh, Trev Alberts is. So just so people are aware. We have ignored the comments. Should we can, should we take any, I think. Well, we, yeah. Why don't, why don't you look at some of the comments? Cause there's been okay, some. Okay. Let's take this one. Uh, Wisdom wins says Michigan would have lost. Wait a minute. I clicked on the wrong one. Somebody said, uh, would you admit that Michigan won that? Here it is. Look at this. The JC, will you admit Michigan won the natty in 97? No. What in, in lacrosse? Who the hell is this guy? Hockey? Hockey? Did they win it? Maybe in, in some some alternate universe where Nebraska doesn't exist. In other words, named hell. Okay. Bourbon. Somebody says bourbon. Well, here's one for you. Dada402 says Trev needs to realize it's not 1977 and find a new hairstyle. Well, I, yeah, wow. look at you, John. I mean, Trev. <laughs> <sighs> okay. I, you know what I do here? I, I have an announcement. I did this Sunday during the other live show, but you can go get a Coronation T-shirt. Uh, last week, I think somebody called us clickbait whores. And I just want you all to know that I am a whore, and there is my capitalistic whore website where you can just right now get a coronation t-shirt we'll add stuff later but uh i we'll see how it goes for now and then uh you know things will uh things will get weirder as as time goes on okay uh look, look at the quote from jack the ripper why don't you throw that one up there 
Oh my God, where is it? I can read it to you. Okay. Frost took NU oh. for around $35 million. Not bad. This is, is this coaching or a bank robbery? Now you've talked about uh, contacting the attorney general for fraud. <laughs> you know, I mentioned, I think in the live video on Sunday, uh, that uh, this was the biggest con in college football history. And, and two people have responded on YouTube to that and said, uh, Jimbo Fisher, who gets a $97 million buyout if he gets fired without cause, uh, was a bigger fraud or is a bigger fraud. And, uh, oh, come on, Willie Taggart at FSU, which, which was a coach that surprised me because I thought Willie Taggart – Willie Taggart was Scott Frost, except uh, the FSU didn't keep him. They didn't waste any time on him, and they just got – what was it, a year? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was like a year, and he uh, he was gone. Okay, uh, coaches, Todd. Well, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to carry this because uh, I had a very bad day today. My balance is poopy. Uh, my headache is off the charts, and I'm still here, dedicated to my Husker fans who need therapy. But uh, I didn't get the chance to really study up. I came up, we all came up with a list. I'm, I'm going to say one phrase and you're going to respond to it. Okay. Man, man of character, character, Urban Meyer. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back to that. <laughs> I'll come back to that. You, you know, have a favorite coach? I do. I do have a favorite coach. And you know, I've got a list of, of six that I'd be content with, as if my opinion matters. Uh, you know, nobody's going to call Todd Wolverton and say, who do you think? Um, you know, maybe, maybe since Trev has that vast email list that he sent those surveys out to everyone about stadium improvements, maybe he would send that out to all the Nebraska fans and get input on the next football coach. I mean, it wouldn't be that difficult. I mean, you know, just write a quick little memo, put a little box in there and, and let people express their opinion. I, you know, I, I personally think, and you know, there's, there's a lot of names flying around. I think Omaha world Herald has 21 and uh, I saw somebody with 19. Um, you know, right now it's early enough that everybody's a candidate and, shoot by the end of the season there might be people available that aren't currently available or that people wouldn't think about right now but i did i, I put my six top choices together and i'm not gonna you know go into there's others that i think i'd be content with too um my first pick is i think dave aranda would be the best coach um i think dave aranda has done a great job down at baylor i know they got beat by byu the other night but, uh, you know, there would definitely be an improvement on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that he does a really good job. You know, now some people are saying that he's destined for the NFL. Well, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of ifs and buts. But I, I personally think Dave Aranda, he's, he's at the top of my list. I also have Pat Fitzgerald. I said that after the, after the uh, um, Northwestern game. I don't know that Pat Fitzgerald will leave Northwestern, but I think it would be worth a phone call. Um, you know, he, he, he can flat coach and, uh, his teams play a very physical kind of football. Um, Nebraska fans like physical football. And, and so I, I think, you know, Fitz would be 
somebody that I'd like to see and somebody I'd cheer for. Um, Jamie Chadwell out at Coastal Carolina um, runs a pretty high-powered offense. It's fun to watch. Now, um, I think that the attention needs to be paid to the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, uh, that's something that if you were to approach him, you'd have to really get some kind of insight on what type of defense and, you know, who he's going to look at and, and uh, um, bring along with his staff. But I think Jamie Chadwell, I think he's an up-and-comer. I don't think you can pry Luke Fickle away from, you know, the, the Rust Belt. Uh, I think Luke Fickle likes hanging out in Ohio uh, so that he can try to be a burr in the butt for Ohio State. Uh, but, you know, the Notre Dame job could very well come open, and I think Luke Fickle will be a top candidate for that too. But, you know, again, I, 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 you know, who, who do you want? Uh, you know, Luke Fickle, I, I, I like Luke Fickle. I think that he did a nice job when he was the interim at Ohio State, and he certainly proved himself at Cincinnati. Matt Campbell, he's on my list. Um, he's on a lot of people's lists. The best thing about Matt Campbell, in my opinion, is – is uh, I think he's incredibly strong where Scott Frost was weak, and that is his players play disciplined football, and there's accountability. And um, there, there's a culture that Matt Campbell has put in place at Iowa State that has uh, helped them, you know, achieve success that they've never had before. Um, you know, and, and I, think he'd, I think he'd be a good fit at Nebraska, too. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce his name right, but Lance Leopold, um, you know, who uh, has has had, you know, some involvement at Nebraska. Was he a grad assistant at Nebraska? I think an assistant at UNO or something like that. But, you know, regardless of that, um, you know, I don't think anybody needs to have connections here. You hire the best football coach, and, and Lance Leopold has demonstrated that he can do a good job. Uh, in spite of the fact that he only won two games down at Kansas last year, he, he walked into a mess. But those, those would be my top six, John. And um, I, also have a, I also have a bottom five. You want to hear my bottom five? Yes, I want to hear your bottom five. These, these are my no way in hell, no way in hell list of coaches. At the top of that list is Urban Meyer. No way in hell should that man be allowed to coach the Nebraska football team. Um, when Trev Alberts said you want somebody with character, um, that automatically eliminates Urban Meyer. Check him off the list. He's done. Another one, Hugh Freeze. Character? No way. He's one of those guys that runs to the uh, evangelicals because evangelicals always give um, uh, forgiveness for sins. And, you know, they protect, you know, those people who have stumbled on their path. And Hugh Freeze, he, he fits in that category too. Let him stay down at Liberty and, and hang out down there. Bobby Petrino, no way, no way, no way, no way, no way, no way, Bobby Petrino. Art Bryles, uh-uh, no, and not his son, Kendall. So those are my five, no way, no how, don't even put them on the list, don't even waste your time with a phone call. So Okay, I asked, I asked my friend, Ramsey Nazrela, who owns and runs the site 11 Warriors, Ohio State site, I asked him what he thought of Urban Meyer coming to Nebraska, and he said, if you want to win, hire him. He has a shelf life of five years. His assistants will be good because they know they'll win and move up the ranks. But he also said he didn't think Shelley, 
his wife would come to Lincoln, Nebraska. And so I think that, you know, if mom is not happy, nobody's happy. So you can just write Urban Meyer off the list because his wife doesn't isn't going to come to Lincoln. But there are a lot of 22, 23-year-old blonde girls that wear short skirts <laughs> and hang out in bars. I mean, okay, okay. <laughs> I think that <laughs> I think that you covered everybody I had except for like, well, Mickey Joseph, Todd. Well, you know, and, and there's a good comment on here. And, you know, I guess I got to get past that idea of Mickey Joseph being in the interim. And, um, you know, if Mickey Joseph, if Mickey Joseph goes seven and two, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think you certainly got to look at him. I mean, I think he's got to be in the conversation. If Mickey Joseph shows that he can turn around a program, I think he's got an uphill battle. I mean, Mickey Joseph isn't in charge of the defense. And maybe – you know, I, I don't know. I don't I don't if Nebraska is going to win football games, Nebraska is going to have to score 40 points every Saturday and on one Friday night. That's the only way they're going to be able to win. Bill O'Brien. Yeah, um, he, he was uh, he turned Penn State around. I mean, Penn State was in the you know absolute depths of despair after the Sandusky mess. And in year two, I think Bill O'Brien is it Bill. Yeah. Um, he, um, he, he, he turned them around to an eight and four team, um, you know, and he's been through the Nick Saban rehabilitation program after he kind of flopped with the Texans. Um, I, I think, yeah, you know, I mean, he, he certainly is a candidate. And did you mention Chris Kleinman? You know, I like him Kansas too. State. I like him a lot. I like Dave Clawson, you know, I mean, there's a lot of guys to like. Um, Dave Clawson at Wake Forest has done a nice job. Uh, Kleiman, you know, shoot, he kept the ball rolling up at North Dakota State. Um, he's He seems to be a really, really good fit for Kansas State. And that doesn't mean he wouldn't be a good fit at Nebraska. But, you know, sometimes you know, Bill Snyder, he had a long career at Kansas State. And that's one of the things that I questioned about Matt Campbell. You know, Bill Snyder never aspired to go anywhere else because he was very comfortable at Kansas State and he won a lot of football games there. And I wonder if that might be the same mentality with Matt Campbell at Iowa State and with Kleiman down at, at K-State. I, I don't know. <sighs> okay. I mean, we could go on about that for a long time. Sure we could. But, but, but. we have a, a game coming up yeah and it's a it's like the national game which is kind of weird uh i guess it's not that weird i mean they plan these things way ahead of time and it is nebraska oklahoma and you know what a lot of people uh, remember the good old days i was gonna dig out a photo that i took of you at a husker football game that is completely blur you are blurry everything else is completely sharp and when I showed it to somebody, I remember them saying, yeah, that's actually what Todd looked like during that game. <laughs> but, you know, really good games, really good games. And now uh, we're going to face them Saturday. I, what do you think we're going to see? Well, I think you're going to see a, a Nebraska team that has a lot of energy. I think that Mickey Joseph, uh, you know, there's – 
one little bit that I that I read was when Mickey Joseph addressed the team, there was a, a strong reception to what he had to say by members of the team. Um, I think that Mickey Joseph brings a lot of positive energy, and I would expect to see um, a pumped up, excited Nebraska football team. Now, um, I've said a couple weeks ago, I wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska beats Oklahoma. Well, I'm going to retract that. And I would say I will be very surprised if Nebraska beats Oklahoma. But I think Nebraska will fight and I think they'll battle. And who knows what will happen. I just, I had hope that the defense would look better than they did against North Dakota. And they did not. And, you know, I, without the defense taking a step forward, John, um, I, I have my doubts. But you know what? <laughs> when I walked out of the stadium Saturday night, I told my dad, I said, Jesus, I don't know if I want to drive down here next week to go to the Oklahoma game. But now I'm actually kind of excited about it. I, I think that, uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's Oklahoma, damn it. So what do we know about, honestly, you know, all this happened and it's kind of like my coaching hire stuff. I didn't, I was going to ask a, a guy if he'd join us and then I didn't know if my brain was going to actually function tonight, but, uh, and I might still try to do that tomorrow. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Oklahoma, what do you know about him? Anything? I don't know a damn thing about him. I haven't paid any attention. They've won two football games, put up a lot of points last week. Brent Venables is a defensive oriented coach who's uh, inherited a system that had a very high-powered offense. Uh, there's going to be good skill players. There's a good quarterback at Oklahoma that's going to, you know, uh, wing it all over the place. Um, and, you know, they're Oklahoma. There's talent there. Um, I think ultimately it comes down to how quickly have they uh, learned, uh, you know, the schemes that Venables has, has brought to them. Um, you know, they're going to play with a, a lot of emotion because I'm sure that everybody down there is reminding them about the rivalry that um, OU and Nebraska have had over the years. And, um, you know, I, I, I would anticipate that it will be a very exciting game. Um, you know, Brent Venables, I guess talking about him, he would have been my pick if he would even have considered Nebraska, you know, right. five years ago. I, I really liked him. Um, but you know, they said that he was, uh, only going to be interested in a very few jobs in, in the country. And obviously Oklahoma is one of them. Well, they beat the UTEP miners in their first game, 45 to 13. They beat Kent state golden flashes, 33 to three. I don't think either of those teams are much of a test, but uh, yeah. they were only ahead of Kent state seven to three at the half. So I don't know, you know, Oklahoma, I have, I've been watching other big 10 teams and I haven't been watching, uh, I haven't been watching uh, Oklahoma. I didn't ever turn, I didn't even think of tuning in on them because I thought, uh, you know, I was more worried about us competing in the big 10 West. Uh, okay. No. I took, so I actually pinned some comments. Okay. Um, and we're going to, 
Uh, Christy has been, Christy Riley just needs a shout out because she's been going on and on about stuff. Why do people not like Nebraska? What is it really? Do you want to answer that? Do you want me to take that? Do you want to try that? Well, why don't you take it and then I'll tell them the correct answer if you don't. <laughs> you know why people don't like Nebraska? It's because the best beef in the world comes from Nebraska. And everyone else is envious of the fact that we get the best beef. I live in Minnesota. I miss the beef. I don't even eat beef because once you move out of state, you realize, what's the point? This All this beef is terrible. Until you go back to Nebraska and have a steak, and you're like, oh, my God, why did it leave? That's my answer. Well, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is that there's a lot of people out there that um, – have cheered on schools that Nebraska used to pound on and pulverize. And as much as Nebraska fans enjoyed watching uh, team, you know, Nebraska teams blow teams out of the stadium, you know, scoring 50 points a game, 60 points a game, that kind of thing. Some of those people had very long memories. And, um, you know, that, that when, when you can turn the tables on somebody like that, um, you know, nobody's, nobody's a fan of the big bully on the block. And that's how Nebraska was perceived in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties as being, you know, the big bully. And when the bully's down, people are going to jump on him. Um, just tell you a quick little thing about that, where it really rang true to me. And I'm, I'm horrible about remembering years. I'm not one of those people that can say in 1997 or whatever, but I can tell you specifically, it was the, the Nebraska game down at Kansas State when uh, Eric Crouch was the quarterback. And I went down there with my three brothers-in-law, and we had tickets, and we were sitting in the end zone. And, you know, that was a hell of a football game down there that night. And um, we were sitting behind a family of four from Kansas State. Mom and dad were both Kansas State alums, and both of their sons were all decked out in K-State gear. I'm going to guess, you know, one, one of them was probably a sixth grader and the other one's maybe a third or fourth grader. And when they started counting down the last 30 seconds of that game, that family, that was the first time Kansas State had beaten Nebraska in like 32 years. I mean, it was a god-awful long time since K-State had beaten Nebraska. That family all stood up and they were hugging each other and they were crying because their team finally knocked off the bully. And they're not someone, those aren't people that are feeling bad for Nebraska right now because they remember when Nebraska used to, you know, scrape Kansas State off the bottom of their shoe. That's why people don't like Nebraska. JC says you'll hire some bum who will win six to eight games per year. He's been blabbing a lot too. Just punch him. Uh, well, maybe Carol Frost will punch him. I think Carol Frost is probably tougher than him. You know what you I know, think? If we, hire, if we hire a bum who wins six to eight games a year, we'll probably just say, okay, buddy, when he has a six-game win, win season in three years from now, we'll say, well, you're not the one, and we'll go on to the next one. Unlike like Iowa that's just going to sit there and be fucking miserable, which they I are. God, those, those poor bastards, I'm well, almost feeling sorry for them. But almost is the key word there. Exactly. And, you know, I'll tell you what, I, you know, just deviate here just a second. You know, because JC was taking some pot shots, pretty gross pot shots at Carol Frost. 
Carol Frost was recognized before the game um, on the 50th anniversary of Title IX. And, and two things here. I, I, I really am impressed with the way that University of Nebraska is recognizing and honoring people you know, with the 50th anniversary of Title IX. They had a panel of women that were all Nebraska graduates that they televised that was an outstanding program. And they continue to draw attention to this and the impact that it's had on college athletics. Um, Carol Frost was an incredible athlete who was an Olympian, who in essence trained herself because there was not a track and field program when she was coming up. I didn't know that she was the head cross country coach at the University of Nebraska until Saturday and they had that in the highlight clip. But Carol Frost also, and <laughs> this is just amazing to me, Carol Frost was an assistant football coach with her husband in Nebraska and in Texas and in, in Iowa. She is an incredible athlete. She's an incredible human being. I thought it was great that they honored her before the game. And it's just kind of one of those karma things, I suppose. I feel bad, you know, that on the flip side of it, that that was the last game her son coached. Hi, Cracker Nutty 1298 says, why is Chandler still employed here? Uh, I'd say it's because you still have to have coaches. I mean, you can't just fire everybody because you get to be the head guy. And I think it's more of a matter of is Chenander going to be willing to work with and listen to Mickey Joseph for the rest of this year? We he might be fired tomorrow, but you know that somebody does have to coordinate the defense. Somebody so, does have to coordinate the defense, and you can't you can't just abs you can't flip a switch and change your defense in a week. Now, you know they got to be prepped and prepared for Oklahoma. Maybe something different happens during the bye week. You know, maybe maybe. Dawson becomes the head coach or, or maybe coach O maybe coach O, you know, will come out of retirement wherever he's hanging out and come up and uh, inspire the boys and uh, teach them how to play good Cajun football. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Here's another one. Jack the Ripper. How many head football basketball coaches and athletic directors has in you had in the last 20 years? I can't no, count no. them all. Well, there's, there's two answers to this. Uh, number one, uh, it's uh, not enough because we haven't found the right mix yet. And number two, not as many as Texas or Florida State or Tennessee or some of them other schools that are still keep trying to get back to the top two. I think you just keep, you know, you go until you find the right people, and that's that's really what it's about. Todd? Yeah, I, was, I actually was trying to do the math. I think what – We've had uh, five ADs, and in the last 20 years, we've had five, six football coaches. Now with six? Joseph. Well, you had Solich was here 20 years ago. Callahan, Polini, oh Riley, Frost, Joseph. That's six. That's yeah. an average of a little over th three. I can't do the math. That's three years apiece. Huh. Well, let's see. What else have we got? What What else was on Oklahoma? And uh, let's see what else. Dang it. Where to go? See, this is where I just flip out. I have too many things open. Volleyball. Volleyball? Yeah. You said volleyball was in your yeah. list. 
they got a pretty good team. Nebraska's got a pretty <laughs> good team. They stayed number two. They stayed number two. They uh, play Stanford Tuesday night. And, uh, you know, that's always been a good game. That will be an exciting game. Uh, you know, they uh, the volleyball team had an incredible five-game win against uh, Creighton last week, and then they took on Long Beach State. Tyler Hildebrand went out there, and he's the head coach. And and um, uh, Sh the Schwarzenbach girl is the middle blocker out there now. Um, they swept them in three. But when Stanford comes to town, that's a heck of a rivalry. That'll be fun to watch on Tuesday night. So, um, you know, John Cook is still trying to figure out, you know, what uh, where all the pieces are with the puzzle. Um, last game he had Ani Evans and uh, – Nicklin uh, Hames uh, setting and, and Kennedy Orr was not. So uh, he's trying to find the combination that looks good. And I guess Allie Batenhorst is injured right now. But yeah, volleyball. And I watched soccer last night, yesterday. The women's soccer team tied USC. Now, I don't know how good either one of those teams are, but I would think, you know, a soccer team from California ought to be pretty good. So who knows? Oh, I had something else. Yeah, okay, they beat Creighton. We probably went over that. Um, you know, let's take a few more of these. This is probably is for you. Matt Terman asks. We don't know if that's the real Matt Terman. Probably not. Maybe his name is Matt Terman. That could be more than one. Well, if it's what the real Matt Terman, loved the game down in Kansas. That K-State <laughs> game, you were just flipping awesome. What do you think the atmosphere is going to be like Saturday it's going to be like an Oklahoma-Nebraska game. There's going to be a lot of excitement in the stadium. You think so? I do. You don't think it'd be like a, I, I, you know, I, I'm kind of looking for. I guess before I was just like, oh god, I have to watch this shit so I can report on it. Now it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know what? It's going to be the next few days is going to be interesting because uh, there is the chance that Mickey Joseph rearranges the staff. Uh, I, I think the other thing that I want everybody to look out for is, is Miski Joseph going to uh, change the lineup? In other words, are we going to have different starters in the game than we did before? Uh, was, was Scott making those guys play certain players because he had his favorites? Or was the, did we really see the best people who are supposed to be on the field? And you'd think with Mickey Joseph taking over and wanting to do the best job he can auditioning for the Nebraska job, he's he's not going to do anything like favoritism. And this is speculation. I don't, you know, uh, I think I said during the live session Sunday that when a team has really good athletes like this and they're as bad as they are, it comes down to trust issues and it comes down to, dysfunction and, and I think that it'll be interesting to see how much the morale of the team changes whether it's any better if their lineup changes and what coaches survive until Saturday what do you think Todd well don't I, I would agree I, I mean I think it makes sense again you know Mickey Joseph is going to be at the press conference tomorrow he's the only one that's going to be speaking and there aren't going to be any other coaches uh, there won't be any access to any other coaches the rest of the week. That's what came out of that department today. And, you know, Trev Alberts, the, the very good-looking, handsome athletic director at the university, vice chancellor at Nebraska, um, he, he commented that Mickey Josephson had already laid out some structural changes and some other changes that he'd like to make or that he plans to make. 
it would make sense to me that there's going to be a change in the depth chart in, in perhaps how personnel are used and that type of thing. That would make sense to me. I, you know, is, is, um, is he going to take some handcuffs off Mark Whipple? I mean, you know, or, you know, did Scott Frost limit Mark Whipple or, you know, is, is what's that dynamic going to look like? Um, you know, and I'm sure that Mickey Joseph has an opinion about how the offense has been called and, and that type of thing. Uh, you, you know, he's going to have to shack up for a little bit of time with uh, uh, Chenander and, and have some conversation about what's going on there. Um, you know, and, and I don't wasn't wasn't his brother a defensive back, Vance Joseph? Wasn't he wasn't he a D back? Wasn't he a defense? Right. Yeah. So maybe that's what happens. He just needs Vance to pack his bags and and come to Nebraska. I don't know, but um, yeah, I I would expect we'll see some other players on the field. That would be my guess. Uh, Sailor says this Nebraska pioneered sport nutrition and strength and conditioning. I know about strength and conditioning. Uh, nutrition, I don't know. Yeah, but they were way you know, ahead of the game with nutrition programs too. Were they? Yes. Yeah, I yes. remember reading uh, Brandon Vogel's book that he uh, with John Cook about his program and how they had a girl who kept having stress fractures in her feet, and they traced it back to the fact she'd never eaten a green vegetable in her life. So that that was the level of nutrition that you know, always has stuck to me. Well, um, let's talk about and, the strength program a little bit. You know. Um, fans have been critical of, you know, uh, previous strength and conditioning coaches. Um, I've heard some people that have been pretty critical recently um, about uh, um, Duval. Uh, this this is not a strong, explosive, physical football team. Uh, we're getting whipped at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Uh, so, you know, I think if uh, there's an area that probably, you know, is going to get some attention, whether it's Mickey Joseph or whoever the new coach is, it's going to be strength and conditioning. Okay. Uh, score predictions. Should we do score predictions? You don't get to do them on Wednesday night. I hate score predictions. <laughs> Why? Because I, I, I don't – I'm not there every day. Nobody reminds – nobody re, nobody remembers these, mostly because we're so bad at them. <laughs> I mean, did you think it was going to end 45 to 42, for God's sakes? No, but I – when Haas on Wednesday night said 42-41, I kind of thought, yeah, yeah, that makes some sense. I kind of thought Haas was on to something. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I said for okay. Nebraska to win, for Nebraska to win, they have to score 40 points because Oklahoma is going to score 40 against against the defense that we've seen. They're going to score 40 points. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it. Forty-two, forty-one, 
Nebraska blocks an extra point. 42-41. You know, I I don't know. I'm hoping. I'm hoping Nebraska wins 42-41. How about that? Is that what's been brought? Is that do you think that that ultimately is what has happened? The the immediate reaction is firing Scott Frost. This hope is returned. Oh, I think so. I I I think that is part of it. Um, I I think I think you know after you know again we both had said at the outset of this show we were surprised that it happened now that it that it happened yesterday. It was inevitable. It was going to happen. And so then, you know, you listen to all the pundits and you read what people have to say about it. And you listen to, you know, Trev Alberts at his press conference and stuff. And, you know, they said, different people have said, they felt it was the best way to give 100 plus players a chance to have a successful season. You were talking about that. You know, when people were questioning you about why should Trev Alberts be let go? And you made it very clear to give those players a chance to win because they weren't going to win very many games the way it was going. So I I think it does hope. Yeah. Keep hope alive. You know, we're almost, we're coming to the end. Chrissy Riley says Nebraska players deserve this win. I would agree with that because um, man, you know, at this program could use something. Uh, and what uh, what would be funny is uh, if Nebraska did win in his first game, Mickey Joseph would get a signature win. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if if Mickey if if Nebraska wins Saturday, if Nebraska wins Saturday, and they don't win another game the rest of the season, Mickey Joseph will always be remembered as the coach that stepped in and beat Oklahoma. He'll never have to That's buy a great. drink. In, in Omaha or Lincoln again. Uh, they will welcome him back anytime he wants to come. He will be a godlike figure with a one and eight record if he beats Oklahoma. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Here's Teddy from Texas says, I hate Nebraska as much as the next guy, but people saying they can't rebuild are stupid. That place won't touch stop trying until they die. I agree, Teddy. Teddy is I think 100%. that's the thing that bothers me. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the thing that I, I find weird about some of our comments on YouTube or, yeah. uh, you know, is these people that go, uh, you should accept who you are. I mean, come on, you know. I'm sure Todd heard this at some point in his life. Uh, you'll never amount to anything. Well, here I am. I, I sleep in the same room as my studio, and I got this nice shirt. <laughs> oh, Nebraska will never stop trying. I mean, my God, you know, they're building a palace right next to the football stadium with, you know, the intent of being a major player uh, at, at, at the highest level. I mean, you know, that's, that's where Nebraska views its stuff. You know, people that want to say Nebraska needs to realize who they are. Well, right now, yeah, I think Nebraska realizes who they are, and they don't like it. Don't like it at all. Asa War Sajid, I hope I'm not destroying your name. I'm behind Coach Joseph. I think he can truly make it work and turn it around. We may, may not beat OU, but I think we can make it a bowl season at least. Go Big Red, GBR. Bulls, can we make a bowl? 
I guess you know the whole season's new, isn't it? It's like uh, going waking up on Christmas morning and and gonna see what's gonna happen, or I guess on New Year's Day. I don't know. I'm running out of energy, man. <laughs> ah. Well, is there anything else that we need to that we should say for this? Uh, you know, I think you know what I want to. I I want to say this. Uh, I somebody on YouTube. I think it was Linda who comments a lot. I uh, asked me to do a video about what's happened in Nebraska since the year 2000, and I, I think I we get so many comments on Frank Solich and Bo Pelini. Um, you know, I think I will. That'll be a separate video, just because I, you know I guess. It keeps coming up, and I think we just let it go and put it in the past. That way I can do a video about it. <laughs> and then it's gone out of my head. Okay. Uh, Mike Ford says, with a Michigan logo, says, no, you aren't making a bowl. You don't know that, Mike. You don't. You don't know what we're capable of. All right. Uh, here, here's oh, a that's pretty good, though. Run. Mike's got a good comeback. Go ahead. Grunt Padre 53 says, will Haas show us why the defense sucks? Um, you know, Wednesday night show, Haas does get pretty technical. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll bug him about that. I'll tell him that that's one of the things he needs to do on Wednesday night. Uh, four and eight is peak realistic optimism. Well, I think four and eight right now is better than I was thinking we'd get to before because without beating Georgia Southern, I'm thinking we were going to go one and 11. So maybe it'll be a little bit better than that. Uh, okay. I think most of these, there's a lot of them are just trolling. They are just trolling. <sighs> My Oklahoma prediction, I think Todd's right there is going to score 40, over 40 points. I'm going to go 48 to 45 Nebraska because I'm a homer again. I believe. I have hope. Now I'm going to have to come up with a complete new slogan. I guess I came up with it uh, yesterday. It was uh, uh, there is hope, fucking A, go Big Red. Instead of the other one, there is no hope. Fuck everything. Of course, I don't know. All right, we're winding. We're we're just bla I'm just blathering on until the end of the show. Is there anything else that you want to say, Todd? No, uh, you know, um, I guess to me, uh, it was inevitable. It was going to happen. Um, I, I, I'm not happy. I, I mean, nobody likes to see a coach canned in the middle of the year. Um, I'm not a Scott Frost fan. I I wasn't and haven't been, but I wanted to see this football team win. I really wanted to see them win football games. And it's, it's sad that they have not been able to do that. I think somebody on Facebook commented that I wanted the season to be bad because my fame was growing by negativity. Well, I didn't get what I wanted because I wanted a winning Nebraska football team. I don't, you know, it's a lot more fun when we win. And if, 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 if negativity is growth, I would have had a lot more fun bashing Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin fans than I have being beat up by them over the past few years. You know, every day I work with a guy that's a Wisconsin guy and a Penn State and a Gopher guy, and I logged into my chat this morning uh, to the greeting of Georgia Southern logos thrown at me, uh, Penn State fight song, and 
the Wisconsin guy basically kind of, well, I didn't hear from the Wisconsin guy. He was subtle. Uh, but, you know, he, here's in your face, man. And uh, I hope that that ends. I hope that ends soon within the next, you know what, With within the next few days. It'd be nice. So I guess that's it. We're going to go now. We've hit an hour, and that's where we pledge to keep the show at. Uh, thank you all for coming. I appreciate uh you know, I appreciate having you guys here. Uh, Grunt Padre says, John, is your famous quote on a T-shirt? No, I don't think I could sell it legally because I think Nebraska would come after me for having Go Big Red on T-shirt. I guess I'm not going to try that. Uh, but you can go to the store there, and there is a hashtag that's like TNFGBI. I can't remember what it is. I'm exhausted. Okay. Pod? Well. Good night. Good yeah? night, John. No, good night. And oh, hey, Iowa has only scored 14 points and one touchdown in two weeks. So there is some degree of hope. There's some degree of hope. There is. Yeah. Okay. Good night.